I'm Wesley Ruff of ABC4 Sports. You're listening to KUTE Radio. Go Utes! You're listening to KU Radio's only podcast, OU Radio. And it hurts so good. This is Sasha Bloom with All Ute Radio. With me is my good friend, Patrick Ramirez. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I feel good to be here. Is this fun? Is this cool? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Why would you be nervous, sir? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I've been here before, but I feel like I was just renting the car before. Now I have the lease. <laughs> well, I hope you crash and burn so I can laugh today, sir. Excellent. <laughs> no guarantees. With us in the studio right off the bat is Mr. Steve Solberg. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Good we, to be here. We missed you last week. I know. I was sorry that I missed. It was like the party. Uh, like Jay and Andy and Marty and not me. Patrick, you were here? I was here. There was a lot of chefs in this kitchen. It had to be crazy. Christian Piper came by. CP, always a fan. He made an appearance. We ran out of mics. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, well, so maybe I feel better about that now that I wasn't here. <laughs> it's pretty crunched in here. We were wondering if you were, in, were intimidated, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't handle this. <laughs> you probably were in the parking lot and be like, screw it, I'm going home. <laughs> this is too <laughs> Not much. Not doing this. <laughs> I saw Jay Whitaker get out and I was like, he's Salt Lake City's favorite. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're my favorite, sir. Oh, nice. Well, that's better. You were telling me that you were in New York City. Yeah, I got to go to New York last week for, uh, well, I was in Albany for a race for a Ragnar Relay. Uh And then I thought they only had fat people up there. In Albany? Yeah, that's what I thought. They were, um, no, they were fit. (laughs) I don't know. You know what? I wanted wanted there to be fat people when you said that. (laughs) I was like, I wish. But no, they they were all skinnies. The race actually finished in Lake Placid, which I didn't know was a cool place. <laughs> I mean, I'd heard of it, obviously. 1932 and 1980 Olympics, factoid that I gained while I was up there. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, like Lake Placid was awesome. It was just a tiny little town where uh, rich people from New York go to play. And then there was a ton of people up there that weekend. Peepers, they called them. It sounds like they were doing something else. Peepers are people who look at leaves. Oh, I was wondering where you're going with this. Yeah, you were thinking. Yeah. I don't know about it went misdemeanor. Peepers, that seems inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, they come there just to look at leaves turn. Yeah, they and were just their, leaf turner lookers. Wow. Freaking peepers. Yeah. I, I mean, if you were a tree, maybe you'd feel that way. Like, listen, this is a very personal time. I'm uh, changing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need you. I don't need all the eyeballs. I don't need the attitude on me. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah, post that on Instagram right I, when I'm red and orange and everything. That's right. Jeez. Right as I'm, right as I'm going through my awkward time. <laughs> you ever? I feel like, how many times can you watch the leaves turn? 
I feel like you could watch it once, maybe twice. I'm going to say once be, a year, I'm I guess. I'm going to say that's great for a lifetime. <laughs> oh, I feel like okay. I've seen my share of leaves turn, and I don't think I need to see it. It's weird. It's like Is the it sunset. Different? It's one of those things that you still are excited about no matter what. Like you're like, oh, look at that. They're different colors. I, I don't know. I don't I see like myself that. getting a car to drive there, though, to watch it. Oh, man, the, the peepers, they it. were all about peepers. it. It's the peepers. <laughs> they tell me something about the peepers. <laughs> yeah, hotels were packed. It was booked. Huh. The whole place was booked. Wow. that's And you went there to, for... Just for leaves. To do the Ragnar thing. Yeah. I don't even yeah. know. I know a little bit about Ragnar, but I, I just know it from, like, when people have, like, the sticker on, like, the Subaru. <laughs> You that's, know, and they're petting a dog who's sitting in the in the passenger seat. That's a big part of being a Utahn right there. What what like what is it? Ragnar I know it's a running sticker. thing, but I don't know much beyond that. It's a overnight running relay. So like twelve people and they usually span and uh, about two hundred miles. And they're like a point to point race. It's never like a circle. So, um the this one started in Saratoga Springs, kind of near Albany, and then went and it wound, a, a, it wound around a little bit, but took 196 miles to get to Lake Placid. Whoa. Yeah. How many days is this? Just two. It's like a pilgrimage. And yeah. It's, it's a relay. You have a team. So do you have a baton? Like, do they pass a baton? They don't have a baton, but they have a slap bracelet. <laughs> baton. Real strict uh, rules, Ragnar. Yeah. Slap. Don't you mess that up. You got to do a high five and a low five. Yeah. Signifies it. You ever see someone at the start, and you're like, that guy's not going to make it? Yeah, definitely. Can you prejudge the, <laughs> oh my the uh, athletes <laughs> as you were? It's probably bad that I admit this, but I definitely do. I had a guy last year, uh, and they start them all throughout the day. Like, they start as early as 5 a.m., and then as late as, like, 2 or 3. And the faster teams are supposed to be in the latest groups. That way, like, people are finishing around the same time. Um, well, last year I was in doing a last start for people. And this guy says to me right before I start him, "Hey, uh, any advice for a first-time runner?" I was like, "Well, <laughs> start earlier." Yeah, because <laughs> because if you're, they do sort of have a cutoff. If you're not making the cutoff, yeah. they're gonna start like pushing your team ahead. You know, they don't want you to be finishing it. You had a lot midnight. of potential there to give him a piece of your mind with first-time runner. You're an experienced runner. And you just you just let him off on that? You should have. You know, I didn't even tell him start you know, earlier. We I got a noob here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I I tried to be nice. I said something like uh, stretch a lot. You know, <laughs> stretch. Like, really stupid. Stretch. Keep hydrated. Hydrate. Hydrate. That's gonna be our on our tombstone as as humans. Just we all hydrate. That's all we do. Everyone's gonna just whenever in doubt, hydrate. Hydrate. Yeah. That'd be a good tombstone thing. Hydrate. 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 That's right. And stretch. Stretch. I feel like we could use that for if you're about to attempt anything. Hydrate and stretch. I don't know if I feel like I, I mean, tombstone, whatever. Yeah, sure. I don't know that I would want anything said on my tombstone other than my name and date of birth. It seems a little flat, but at the same time, like, how do you know that what you said when you die is still going to be a good thing to say 200 years from now? Yeah, your tombstone has to uh, stand the test of time, too. Yeah. People are gonna gonna come see that in a hundred years and be like, mm, that's dated. This is a bad reference. I like don't you like made that. some sort of like, you know, home improvement TV show joke. 
And they came a hundred years like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Steve, he's, he's making weird references. Look at this. Look That's, at this guy. Actually, maybe that'd be the coolest thing, to have your tombstone reference like Full House or something <laughs> yeah. like, like cut right. it out. Yeah. Really stupid. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a couple of, like who's the boss lines <laughs> from it. Just tombstone. This is who that man was. Take it or leave it. Um, You know what tombstones dr- – were interesting and they were very dated i was in boston last spring and went to paul revere's tombstone skull they'd have like skulls like etched into their skull tombstone. like like skeletons or like, like chewing tobacco like a skeleton oh. yeah like well there <laughs> I, was, I was into that for a second there i was like skull i get into that a little chewing skull, tobacco a little chew no yeah they'd, <laughs> they'd have like uh, skull and crossbones it's all part of the Scott Reddish Freemasons uh, insignia and logos. Really? Oh yeah. Bloomy dropping the knowledge. Yeah. Jeez. They got Wikipedia. All... Yeah, they they're they're way into subversive symbolism. Those the people that started uh, America. Man, well, yeah. it was very creepy, but they're uh, creepy people. They yeah. enslaved a lot of people. Oh, there they you go. They murdered millions of people. They plagued tribes. They weren't civilized. <laughs> they, they weren't were... like us. so they were jerks basically is what you're saying yeah founding fathers they did some stuff but they were jerks if they had youtube they wouldn't be looking at the cat videos is what i'm saying (laughs) they'd get a lot of hits on their youtube channel they'd be looking at the the gross stuff you know what i would put on your tombstone steve just from my knowledge of you steve solberg Man ate the largest hot dog I've ever seen in a car. You and I drove to Logan, <laughs> and you were like, wait, let me get some gas, and you came out with a hot dog from a convenience store. And in my head, I was like, first of all, that's a big hot dog. Second of all, he's going to be driving. How is yeah. he going to eat this hot dog driving? Yeah. And you were like, nah, but you put it in reverse. We got out of there. You just commenced to eat that hot dog. And then you, and then at one um, point, you looked at me and uh, Jackson Banks are in the car. You're like... Do you think this hot dog is like the worst thing in the world I could be eating right now? And I think we just <laughs> stared at each other. <laughs> I didn't know you were joking. I wanted your opinion for yeah, some reason. You did. You remind me of like that Kobayashi hot dog guy because you're you're a smaller guy. Yeah. But yet you were putting down the hot dog. Yeah. While I was driving on I-15. Do you eat a lot of hot unsafe. dogs in cars? <laughs> is I, this something you're passionate about? It, I go through phases where I'm like into certain foods, you know, and that was a hot dog period. And, uh, you know, it, it's not as much about the hot dog as the toppings and Maverick sometimes will have like good toppings. And so if I go into the Maverick and they have like, I like sauerkraut, I know that's kind of weird, but, uh, if they have it, I kind of, the rule of thumb is get one. That's oh, okay. <laughs> the you, you should be the pitch man for Maverick. Maverick. You'll have a hot dog and just like, just get one. Hey, Maverick, if you're listening, because you're a person, I know it. <laughs> think of me, maybe. Maybe pay me for pitching your stuff. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, throw that out there. Like, hot dog. Get Reach one. out to me, stevesolberg.com. Yeah. It's up and running now. Seth Tippett started uh, my website finally. We uh, are pretty overdue. low. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Seth. <laughs> Nightly done. Nice. Uh, I'm currently on the third page when you Google Steve Solberg, so I'm not right. sure how that works, but we'll get we'll get it back up to number one, hopefully. Oh, nice. You have a it's, website. Yeah. The man eats hot dogs and has a website now. And if 
Mavericks needs a reel from you to say, hey, I don't know exactly how good of an actor he is. Yeah. You certainly proved your case when you went to the fair. You were phenomenal. Did the fair videos. That's right. Phenomenal. Oh, thanks. Oh, I saw those. Those are great. (laughs) Those were good videos. I uh, love doing those. I didn't know that I would love them. Actually, I did. I knew I would love them because I like the fair. I'm a big animals person. Uh And so when they were like, do you want to do this stuff at the fair? I was like, do I get tickets? And they were like, yeah, you do. And I was like. Yeah, You're supposed I to start the bar high, not at, <laughs> can I have a few free tickets? Can I have some tickets? Like, are the they, events open game for just anybody? Or did they give you a fast pass? They're like, I need a fast pass. <laughs> and they're like, mm, this kid thinks we have a fast pass. Can I get a wristband with a fast pass? <laughs> they're like, we're the fair, you freaking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> we're the fair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The, the Madison quality. Avenue over here wants a wristband. We're the fair. We don't need no... Fast pass. The quality of the teeth that I saw doing that video, though, just like crazy some stuff. And you have to pretend that it's not weird. Like I, there was a couple times where I was lost, and I'm like running around trying to like look, you know, good because I know I'm gonna be filmed and stuff. And uh, I was like, "Hey, where are the large pumpkins?" That was also a question that I asked. And uh, the guy with just like freaking three teeth. Like holy crap! Okay, I'm gonna go find him. (laughs) But good on him, you know. You feel like you didn't fit in there? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I felt like, I mean, I felt fine. I didn't feel like it was inappropriate for me to talk to that guy. Oh, okay. (laughs) I felt good about it. (laughs) You feel like in a different world, you and him could. Hang out. Yeah. Sure, yeah. hot dog. I mean, at that point, we really were hanging out. I was okay. like, we're fair people, you and me. We have different jobs. It looked like you were doing some dancing with some very voluptuous women. From, <laughs> they, <laughs> I think there were kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were kids. <laughs> they, they, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, it was some square dancing. Some square dancers. I did dance with some some older square dancers and some younger ones. Yeah, you had good rhythm, slapping feet together. Yeah, we were slapping feet. It was fun. We it was literally just like a camera guy, a sound guy, and me, and they just said, "Go run around the fair and have fun." Oh, you had a big boom mic, like you was holding one of those big dumb mics. They uh, thankfully they had a a little lav mic. Okay, you needed a sound guy for that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Us journalists don't need a sound guy. Yeah, you guys just go. Yeah. You How know. did you uh, get that that fair gig? It, it was uh, come about? Ben Fuller, you know, you know Ben, and you know he uh, he used to run the complex or something like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah he's a nice guy. So he had seen me, uh, you know, at the complex a few times, and mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, you'd be fun for these videos. Do you ever want to do them?" And I said, "I do. If you ever have something, just give me a call." And and this finally worked out. We had talked. We had had that conversation like two years ago or mm-hmm. something like that. And, uh, yeah, I always want to do more video work because I just think it's fun. And I like, as a kid, that's all I did was just goof off with the video camera and would interview people. And so it's kind of fun to be actually doing it now. You went makeup free. Like, I wasn't thrilled about that. Yeah. I wanted to see you all glammed out. You wanted me glam. <laughs> glam, Steve. They, uh, I did David shave. Bowie circa 74. Yes. Yeah, but no makeup. No, no even... Stuff to take the shine off. <laughs> Still sweaty and gross. But, you know, it was the fair. I didn't want to. Yeah. yeah I was going to say the fair. You're telling me the fair. 
didn't have makeup, guys with te- no teeth and big pumpkins. There was no makeup. That's not the fair I know. Yeah, the pumpkins weren't <laughs> as big as I wanted them to be, to be honest. It sounds like <laughs> Not impressed with the pumpkins. <laughs> you really made some friends there, talking to toothless people and, and like, this is the only pumpkins you guys got here? This is all you got? Where's your squash? That's right. You what better have some huge squash. Yeah, you're never going to make it in this world with these sized pumpkins. What is this, amateur hour? <laughs> I've been to fairs in Ohio better than this. Yeah, wouldn't even be top ten. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did go to the fair grounds in, uh, oh gosh, Mobile, Alabama. I did a thing <laughs> Do you have for, some fair experience. I, yeah. In fact, it was the fair. I went to the fair last, this was last Halloween. Last year, I spent last Halloween in Mobile, Alabama at their state fair um, doing a thing for Color Me Rad. I did some color throws and stuff. And then this, and their fair was, I was expecting it to be crazy because I was like, I'm in Mobile, Alabama, you go to the grocery store and you get like people that just are weird. <laughs> Steve will be headlining Mobile, Alabama in uh, November. Everybody. I'll be in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> that guy's uh, opening for him. That's, uh, yeah, I speak Mobile. Uh, it wasn't as weird as I wanted it to be, but the main guy at the fair had me at his house afterwards for spaghetti. And uh, I was talking to some of the other folks, and they said he was in the mafia. And, what? Uh, yeah, they were like, yeah, he came from New York City, boatloads of cash, mafia guy. Had some of that fair money. He had fair and, in and his eyes. I just said, <laughs> like, fair. Wow. Good spaghetti? It was good. Well, it, there were some bones in it somehow. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> in the sauce, I swear there was a bone. And I was kind of like, that's uh, not a spaghetti item usually wow that's weird yeah i might have ate a person curious about this guy (laughs) he's probably in the witness protection plan i think so let's relocate him i've outed him on internet radio which is yeah too bad but guys in someone's trunk right now (laughs) (laughs) that went fast and it's bone spaghetti are you a trusting man like you meet strangers and they invite you home for dinner and you just go well, some of the other uh, folks who were working at that okay. uh, event with me came, nice. and they could vouch for me that he wouldn't kill me, you know. <laughs> and I, I didn't know anybody in Mobile, so I needed something to do. Yeah. What do you do? Because you're on the road a lot. And right. you're not a man that likes to go chase women. You don't seem like you're a very big drinker to me. Right. So what do you do to occupy you? You don't bring a PlayStation with you? No, I mean... You know what's weird is, and I don't even watch TV in the hotel ever. I never, ever. So a lot of times, I mean, I try to go to comedy shows. Okay. And so I try to go to whatever comedy club is near mm-hmm. there. And so I've been to a few different comedy clubs, you know. Like this last trip, I went down to Manhattan and went to a couple different comedy clubs there. Did you go to the cellar and all that? I didn't go to the cellar. I was going to, I was going to but... I uh, ended up going to Caroline's because beautiful. Uh, my friends were on that show. And so, or at least guys that I had met before. Yeah. And so that was cool because I got to go backstage and they were, you know, meet all these guys from New York. And I was telling Patrick before we started the show, you know, we kind of sometimes pat ourselves on the back going, Salt Lake City has such a great scene. And it really does. We're a great scene here. But I have to admit, watching that show was intimidating because they were good. They were really good. I mean, it was like, 
And the crowd in New York isn't as forgiving as uh, Utah. I think Utah crowds are a little like, let him warm up. It's okay. He just started. New York, they're like, you got to be funny right now. Like first joke, last joke, and every joke in between. Or they're just going to like, it's it's going to be awkward. It's not uncommon, though, on an open mic night to see um, a Colin Quinn show up, a Bill Burr, a Jim Norton, a Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. a Dave Chappelle, the open mics. So you have to. Right. Be, yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's yeah, I, I've kind of always game. said, like with markets, size of markets, you're always going to grow to the size of your cage. If we're here in this market and our numbers are just our numbers are smaller and then you go to a bigger market, you realize the bar for for uh, par and beyond par comedy is higher. And yeah. you sort of see where the upper guys are. You know, so I think you're always going to grow to the size of your cage, whether you're a small market, L.A. market, New York market, or whatever. You see that, and your sort of pers- perspective totally changes. Yeah, you know? yeah. We've, like, I've talked to you about this before, of, like, driving in that car, of, like, you went up. You were telling me about an open mic you went up. You didn't know the town, and you saw there was an open mic. Oh, yeah. And it was a really rough crowd, but you were like, I'm going to sign up, and I'm going to go up and do some time. Yeah. And see what comes of it. Yeah, that was Philly. Oh, then Philly, yeah. Yeah, was it? I was the only white guy really? in the room. And it was, you know, I felt like the the other comics respected it. And uh, not that, not that race or? should matter. But, you know, when you, for some reason, it's good to have these experiences, I think. Especially if you're a person who's lived in Utah for a while. Go to Philadelphia and be the only white person in the room. I think that's a valuable thing. Because... Yeah, it was a little intimidating. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm the only white guy. And I was like, oh, Jay goes through this every week. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, the other comics, I felt like they were like, we respect them. But uh, winning over the comics girlfriends, that was hard. They were talking. Oh, "Oh my gosh. Talking the whole time, super loud. And I was like, okay. So I like started talking with them and kind of it was all right. I have to admit I didn't do great. I don't think I. How did you alter your uh, your set or your jokes for that? Did you do change? Did you say I'm just digging my heels in? I'm doing my jokes, or did you did no, you redo I, some? I redid it a little bit. I yeah. tried to be more edgy, I guess. I don't know, or at least more like in the moment. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I tried to reference some joke that another guy did earlier, and then tried talking to one of the uh, girls who was talking particularly loud just because I was needing her to not talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was fine, but I remember, and my friend who, uh, I guess there was two white people in the room because one of my friends was uh, came with me and she was like, I liked it, but she was fairly inebriated. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what, like, how long have you done comedy for? What uh, are you into now? Oh gosh, seven, I think. Would you, how was, like, if you were to do that set, say, at year three, do you think, number one, you even would have went up? You know, I, number two, you would have toughed it out and just taken your lumps? I probably would have still gone up, but it would have been worse. Um, and I probably would have just tried to just do whatever seemed right. Like, So I probably wouldn't have changed a ton. I know it would have been even worse, uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think... Uh, as with any comic, you're you got the whole little bit of delirium where you're like, I'm telling, I'm telling jokes and yeah. people are listening, but that's a farce. They're not <laughs> listening. 
<laughs> that's sort of it's a, sad to say. It's but. a weird thing if you like step back sometimes, and this seems to always happen when you're when they're introing you. You're thinking, I'm about to go and stand on an elevated platform with a microphone, and I want people to listen to me. It's a very weird mindset to have in your head. Like I, you know, why you think that you're gonna do this? And like I need them to listen, and I'm expecting them to laugh. You know, it's so strange. Yeah. I don't know why, but I kind of need to perform a little bit i didn't realize this until i started doing comedy that every once in a while i would do really weird weird things because i needed that outlet so much this is probably the weirdest thing that i ever did in uh in my need to perform i also like singing so one time my roommate's on a date with a girl and i come home randomly and i was like hey listen to this song and i full-on sang them a song right then just in the middle of their normal evening together i decided to sing to them a song i think it was like a christmas song or something weirdest thing like it was like just sang them a song I did they want to sing them they didn't want to hear a song you would sing it anyway i sang what it was anyways. their reaction they were like okay cool good <laughs> and i was like yeah i know Thanks. They were like the parents when the little kid is like kind of out, you know, overstayed their welcome. Like, great. Oh, it's exactly what it was. That's good. I like it. Okay, off to bed now, little Stevie Solberg. Thanks for your song. What, uh, when it comes to like your comedy, I've seen your comedy a lot. What's your process? Are you a guy who likes to create on stage? Will you write everything out? Is it somewhere in between? I like uh, I like on stage creating a little bit. I try to write out premises as much as possible, um, and then write out a good amount, and then and then on stage allow the freedom of the stage mm-hmm. to sort of work itself out. Because for some reason, I think I'm funnier on stage, even on rate. Excuse me, even on radio or other things like that. I'm like, eh, I'm boring as hell. But uh, but. Uh, which actually probably isn't that boring. All the flames and whatnot, it's probably kind of exciting. I'm really boring. Um, <laughs> but I think on stage, I'm probably, I think I do a good job. It's really a weird art form that has such a broad range of how people prepare for it. You know, you'll see people who will literally go up with two ideas in their head and will do 25 minutes. And it'll be yeah. very, very good. And then you'll see someone who will write everything out verbatim. And they'll rehearse it and practice and practice it. Excellent product. And then there's most most people end up somewhere in the middle to it. But yeah. it's weird how you can have all these different ways of essentially doing the same thing and making it look natural to it. It's a very unusual process. Has your process changed over seven years? A little bit. I mean, as far as like when I very first started, I had to tell really short jokes because I was realizing how important it was to actually write punchlines. And um, so the jokes were fairly short because I didn't write that many punchlines. Now that I'm more used to it, I've gotten more used to telling story-based stuff. And that's where I really love comedy. For me, is the story stuff. Uh And so now I'm a little more loose and I allow, like, you know, try to do some jokes in between and make some faces there's other people who say, oh, that, you pull a face. If you have to pull a face to hit a punchline, then you, you're not a good comedian. But whatever. Comedians used to have to dance and crap like that. So Do magic. I think dancing, uh, I don't have to dance, but I think it's okay if I pull a face. I'm yeah. cool with it. <laughs> I'm not going to cut everything out that's not the spoken word. 
Yeah. Because I think there's other elements involved. Did you, uh, who were your influences when you got into comedy? What I'm saying is, is I want to start dancing. <laughs> Dance, monkey. <laughs> I loved uh, Bill Cosby and um, guys like, uh, see, and he's stories, you know. Like when I was a kid, Bill Cosby, but then um, when I very first started, I was a huge Dimitri Martin fan. Mm-hmm. Who I just got to meet uh, backstage at Oddball, actually. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to talk about. We got to talk about that. Yeah. 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 You won the uh, the one of the three spots. There was a contest. You had to win again. You were one of them. I was first. Yeah. We you were all first, that. as he <laughs> made clear. <laughs> <laughs> there was three first place finishers, uh, and we all got to perform at Oddball, which was incredible. This was a wise guys comedy competition. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and so who were the other jokers. two? Because I had tickets for it. I had to give them up because there was a Pac-12 game. So I oh. I was mad. I was really mad about it, actually. It'd be a huge show. Yeah, um, uh Louis C.K. was there. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Silverman was there. You were there. Um, I was there. On Now, the uh, glam of it, if you follow me on Instagram, shameless plug right there, sure. if you want. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, you you could see the backstage photo that that I took with the other comedians who made it were Marcus and Spencer King. Our backstage was like gravel. We're in a smoking, smoking area. Yeah, I retweeted that. Next to the guy who's like smoking his cigarette who looks like <laughs> he should be driving truck. Why is that guy at that show, by the way? It was the same pumpkin guy. It was the pumpkin guy. Yeah. Pumpkin guy. <laughs> Where I are the follow pumpkins? follow him on Twitter too, by the way. Yeah. Pumpkin guy. Hashtag pumpkin guy 20. 14. Um, so, I mean, the side stage kind of was, it was, the competition was great and it helped my confidence a lot. The side stage was also great, but it certainly wasn't like what the main stage was. I mean, right. we were telling jokes while people were coming in. I, I hope I don't get in trouble saying that it wasn't as great. I really enjoyed it. So I hope that doesn't sound like I'm... God, giving a disrespect but yeah i know <laughs> uh people are like ordering beers and fries and stuff like that while we're telling jokes which is fine that's how we do it sometimes and that's the level of comedy that i'm used to right now it's like oh you better be funny because they're ordering beer and they're i don't know they're not paying attention so be funny and then they will pay attention mm-hmm. and like for not everybody knows that's an outside venue you're doing comedy outside yeah. Open air. That's very different for a comedic performer. Yeah, you're used to so dark, low roof, low ceiling. Everybody's no one's milling around typically. They're in their seats. Yeah. And this seemed like a totally different atmosphere. It's, it's very hot out different. there too. It was hot. Yeah. yeah. It's not an easy venue because I've been there a lot, and it's the acoustics are good, but it's a, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's right there oh, in man. the desert. No breeze. No. Well, at some point there was a breeze. A storm came through actually later that night. Yeah. <laughs> Tore the place to shreds. Yeah, monsoon comedy night, everybody. Oh my gosh. It was. Were you there? It's a two Patrick, poncho you minimum. Were there. No, I wasn't there. I oh. uh, was in that contest and didn't win one of the three spots. Shut up. So he didn't go because he was pissed. I was pissed. I sat in a van. <laughs> he smoked crack. And, uh, so <laughs> bought up pumpkins from a toothless gentleman <laughs> later. In our business partners now, actually. <laughs> if you need some. If you need some pumpkins, let it's me know, coming guys. Up Tweet on at me. I'll get you a pumpkin. Pumpkin season. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was a good set. Do you think a, overall it was a good experience? Um, How much yeah. time did you do? Uh, ten, like ten uh-huh. minutes. My set was fine. 
I didn't leave the stage being like, yeah, you did it, man. You're the <laughs> Do any of us ever leave the stage saying that? No. I know I do. I've never <laughs> have. I never no. got off the stage and be like, any questions? I've <laughs> <laughs> never said that. I feel like some guys do, but yeah, they're, right. they're delirious. Yeah. And mostly it was cool to like be backstage and, and then have like Hannibal Burris and Dimitri Martin and Sarah Silverman walking by and you're able to just chat with them and be like, How's it going? Good. That's okay. got to be the way yeah, one of the best parts. Yeah. Well, yeah. Should I get into that part? No. Okay. It was cool. I took a photo with Dimitri and that was my favorite actually. Who's it, taller? Uh, you know what? I didn't post it on social media cause I got awkward about it. <laughs> I was, I was, what I happened? Wasn't clear, Why are you awkward about it? I wasn't clear if I was supposed to, you know, how like you don't uh. know. And so, I think he's like an inch taller, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not much. Maybe less than that. Because H- how's this comedy these days? Man, he's as sharp as ever. Yeah, he's. I so hear a lot funny. of uh, Dimitri Martin talk right now. That he's very, very popular, very funny. Um, way more than I heard, like say a year ago. So, well, a lot of people are, are hearing him. At least, on, I think he's an East Coast guy. So I don't know if we get to hear a lot of him touring around. Did in his, his HBO show hurt him is. a bit? I uh, never saw it. Yeah, he's a little taller than you in this picture. Yeah. For uh, if like anybody wants like a reference, if you ever seen the band Rooney, he looks <laughs> like Talia Shire's uh, son, who's the lead singer of Rooney. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, it is a good picture though. Yeah, I mean he's so I I admire were, him so you much. You were a little unsure to. But my to comedy post it isn't like his at all. Yeah, I I didn't know if I was maybe not supposed to take photos with him backstage or something, so I just didn't post it because. I'd hate to have them be like, you blew That's it. Soberg. You'll never work in this outdoor arena again. <laughs> You'll never work at this place that probably That's won't Soberg. have another comedy show. <laughs> when we come back here six years from now, that Solberg is on my list. They, so, like, uh, there were, like, huge names there. Um, Aziz did you hang Ansari. out and see the sets I of them? Watch their sets. I didn't get to see Aziz backstage did one uh stand out to you one of the sets you really liked i think aziz was great and mm-hmm. then of course louis was yeah. great but during so right before louis started torrential downpour crazy Whoa. hard rains like lightning touching down this is why i would never get why you would book an outdoor comedy show at the at the end of summer it was awful. in the west it was Anywhere the worst west yeah. of arkansas and they get some rain they took down one of the screens. You know, they have the two screens on either side of the comedian that are uh, focused in on their face so you can catch all the... See, you should make faces in comedy. Otherwise, they wouldn't need those screens. <laughs> so they took one of them down, and Louie's like, what the... What are you guys taking this down? Now 50% of the audience hates this show. They can't even <laughs> see it. And then he goes, why are you guys not doing your job? They're doing theirs. They're sitting in the rain. Yeah. And it was just... It was great to watch him sort of work with the rain stuff and because it was just, it was tough. Like I could only imagine being on stage and seeing this audience that's just getting soaked and is putting like garbage bags on their bodies and you're like, oh, they don't want to be here, but they are here. They're staying here. So I better be funny. And he was, it was hilarious. I think that's one of the great things about the stand up art form is that nothing is off limits something is going array in the crowd the weather 
And then you'll see a true pro like Louis C.K. address that. Not only address it, but make light of it and really, really like tap into the <clears throat> to the obvious truth that this is kind of ridiculous right now. Yeah. The screen's down. I'm going to make a joke about it. It's raining. I'm going to make a joke about it. That's so – I love watching an expert or a pro in any field go on on a little rant. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Whether it's a comedian or a professional in some other field. Is you're seeing that person in a super raw form, I think. Oh, yeah. It's always funnier live. I think yeah. the show live is just – you, sure, you could have recorded it, but you wouldn't have felt it because you're watching right. it at home. If you're we not watched that on, on TV, we may have laughed, but we not have, would not have had the same experience. Yeah, yeah, it's way funnier. And the interactive – Chris Hardwick was really interactive with the crowd. He got down there and, like, went down into the audience and was talking with people. Same thing with Sarah Silverman. And just hilarious to watch them, like, interact with the crowd. And I don't know – I. Didn't realize I would like that stuff that much. I think as a performer. Does it inspire you? Uh, a medium. A medium. <laughs> not, not a it's huge It's another amount. one of those things where you see like great comedy. Someone would say like, that's awesome. This exact same half and usually comics are going to be like, oh, great. This is what, this is the bar now. I'm nowhere near that. You know, it's kind of a weird oh, yeah. sort of back and forth when you see like really, really great comedy. You're like, oh man, I'm going to quit. Yeah, yeah, if it's too good, you go, shoot, I can never get there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's weird is at Oddball, the other thing is Oddball was very rock and roll a mm. little bit. Like in between, they had a little intermission, and then a DJ's like scratching and stuff, and he's like, who's here to see Louis C.K.? <laughs> and it's like, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> and it was like, okay, like, and the crowd's going wild, you know? And Louis C.K. doesn't strike me as one who wants a DJ and the sort of like spring break feel, you know. <laughs> but uh, and I don't either. And so that was kind of weird because you think you'd go as a comic, go to Oddball and be like, this is my goal. But yeah. I left going, I want to do it differently because that wasn't my goal. Plus, the other thing is the crowd that showed up to Oddball, like some of them definitely were my audience, but a lot of them weren't. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's kind of what I've finally realized is that it's totally okay to say some of you people wouldn't like a Steve Solberg show. Some, <laughs> of, you, <laughs> some of you would love it. You should be on your headlining bill. Some of you are not going to like this guy. Yeah, put, put that on my uh, – That's right. Some of you are not on board with this. <laughs> the title of your uh, comedy hour, Steve Solberg, some of you are not going to be on board. <laughs> I think that's totally fine. I almost would rather some people not be on board. Like, <laughs> you ever meet that person and you're like, oh, I'm so glad that he wouldn't yeah. get my comedy. I know exactly. He's like I that person that, that, that you see walking out of the show and be like, I, I do not. I'm not for him. <laughs> I'm not for that guy. This guy, is not, this guy is not my guy. Pumpkin guy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, pumpkin guy. I'm not for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is that guy. It's it's an audience member. You're not going to reach all audience members. No. Yeah, and I, I think Oddball was great, but yeah, like the crowd that was like, yeah, we're going to laugh our faces off. Like, that sounded like I was doing an impression of uh, a black person, but I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. to be clear. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to stop talking before I get more racist. I wasn't, to be clear. The second album. Yeah, might be a good title of a second Yeah, I wasn't, to be clear. Not. Yeah, to be clear. Actually, not clear. <laughs> Being uh, in comedy seven years, you have a pretty good stand, I think you do, of like what your 
perspective is, what your voice is. Do you have a goal in comedy? What's the next step? You've already headlined a bunch in this town. I, t- I talked to a guy today, and he was like kind of wanting to manage me, and I was kind mm. of like, yes, I kind of want that, actually. Yeah. And, um, Does he have a good track record? He does, yeah. I admire this guy a uh, whole ton. Um, Jason Hewlett, if anybody knows him. He, d- he does, like, corporate events and huge, huge shows. Mm-hmm. Nicest guy and very, very cool. And he was not, not like, manage-manage per se, but he was just, like, he was, like, giving me advice. And really? um, Anything that, like, stuck out advice-wise that you were like, yeah. You know, I mean, he's like, you need to market yourself better. Because uh-huh. I am kind of like, yeah, yeah my show's okay. <laughs> like, I don't really advertise well. And so that was like a big thing. And then, um, but uh, gosh, I had something else in my brain when I started talking about this. Because I wasn't sure if I should say his name or not. And that's why I got weird and now my brain is lost. And <laughs> now it's gone. Now it's gone. We've lost that thought, The, the water here, you guys get such a great color. Is that <laughs> always like that? You're just <laughs> yeah, that's trucked in. Really good it's trucked color. in from the finest mavericks in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where are, are you got any shows coming up? Yeah, uh, I'm at the Wise Guys in West Valley City, October 10th and 11th. Sweet. And I, I would say, like... The fourth most dangerous city in the, <laughs> the United <laughs> States. The fourth? That's good. They've been improving then. Yeah. I would say if someone hasn't seen Steve's stand-up, I've seen it a hundred times, uh, I don't think you can do much better than a Steve Solberg wow. on, a, on a headlining set. It's, it's funny, you're sharp, you have a good perspective, but, like, one of the best things I think a comic does is holds an audience. You know, yeah, I, I cradle them. Yeah, I, I, I cradle hold, them. You pet. You, you, I hold heavy, each person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean is you, I think you and I have seen a lot of shows. There's always a part in the show where you become aware that you're watching a show. Yeah, you know? I hate and that I think part. A, we yeah. all hate it, you know, yeah. when uh, a glass falls and everyone's like, ooh, something happened right here. And you become aware that you're watching a show. Yeah. Yeah, I think a good performer holds that audience from minute one. So Right. Yeah, right. I, I think, yeah, if you've seen Steve, if you haven't seen him, go go again. Go yeah. again. It's a fun night. He does a great job. This one will be even funnier than the last one. There you go. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's hosting opening for you? Any I don't. I don't know any of those details, unfortunately. Sometimes I – usually I do, actually. Mm-hmm. It's only like two weeks away. That's why I asked, yeah. And so I should know that by now. Where are you at on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? I do everything stuff. using my name. I came up with it myself. <laughs> it's not true. My yeah. parents did. Um, I was about to ask Solberg. That's your real name, right? Yeah. Is that a stage Solberg. name? So Steve Solberg, uh, just S-T-E-V-E-S-O-E-L-B-E-R-G, is my Twitter handle, my Instagram, my Facebook, and dot .com, which now exists, stevesolberg.com. Uh, nice. I think I'm going to start, I don't know, What do you, are you supposed to sell T-shirts on your comedy website, you every once in a while. I don't know, but that's a good. It seems so easy to do now to get a good T-shirt, trucker make hats. It, you could make it and do trucker it. Trucker hats, condoms, Con- trucker yeah, hats. Yeah, sure, condoms. Right? You know what you should get in the fanny pack. Those are coming <laughs> right. back. Beat them to the punch. Beat the hipsters to the punch. I'll tell you this: why it's gonna blow up. New phones, new iPhones can't fit them in their jeans. Where are you gonna put those phones? You're gonna put them in a fanny pack. Good call. iPhones right. going crazy. Don't want to bend it. That's right. Fanny pack. Fanny pack is just on the cusp of everybody forgetting what it was, but it's a novelty, and now it's hip. I uh, Solberg fanny packs. 
I would like a fanny pack. Yeah. I, if it was hip, I'd have one on right now. I think you're not in the minority. I think a lot of people are wanting fanny packs to tip this way again. Yeah, I hate crap in my pockets. It's just... It's the Get first thing I do when I sit down, take stuff out of my pocket. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I have keys right here, my water phone. There's the keys, notebooks. the yeah. water with the great color. Yeah. Everybody's wallets now are as thin as possible. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's dumb that we still have wallets. Why do we even have wallets? Why well, can't we just teleport money to each other? Wallets seem like never got past technological advances around the VCR time. Yeah, the technological. Like, they're the same. <laughs> what did you say? Te- technological. Technogynecological right. is uh, way behind. I took a class on this. That sounds like something else. <laughs> yeah, I agree, though. It's behind. We're, I think over in Europe, they do it all with their mind. Chi- uh, Asia, for sure. They just blink. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, how much money did you need? <laughs> they, and the guy chases you at the store. <laughs> he blinked. Like, he blinked wrong. He did You're in the even... wrong neighborhood for that sort of blinking attitude, buddy. That's a two blink water bottle <laughs> coming in here with the one blink. Well, anyways, I... <laughs> <laughs> October tenth and eleventh, shamelessplug.com. Go see it. Go to his website. I'm gonna go to that website. Can I leave a message on the boards? I'm a big board guy. Oh, now. you know what? Let's get that. I'll talk to Seth about that. I don't have that yet, but okay. let's leave a message. Except for I. You know, the internet, it's always so scary. Like, someone's going to, yeah, right? Someone's going to leave a message. It's like, you suck. You don't even look like Kevin Bacon, (laughs) which is fine. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, you probably could go through life all right with that. I mean, you've made it this far. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fine. I think think the boards, I mean, I think you've got enough people on there. I think it could only be bad. You know, you read enough stuff, you're like, oh, this is bumming me out. Even the compliments, you're like, it's not the compliment I wanted. But I, I wanted a better one. If you took it all in, I think you'd, uh, I think you'd desensitize yourself to it. Yeah, maybe that's good, yeah, right? Yeah, like, ah, no big deal. This guy wants to murder me in an alley. That'll yeah, right fine. now, if somebody's like, you don't floss well, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right now you're fragile. You're a newborn right now. Yeah. You can't have too many people around you breathing on you. You've got to toughen up. Little come. My website's hot. Solberg.com. It's on its way. What is it, Steve Solberg or Solberg? Just Steve Solberg. Just change it to Solberg. Just Solberg? Just change it to Solberg. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I think that'd be cool. It's kind of hip, kind of like sports teams when I was in gym class or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> kind of <laughs> hip when Solberg. I was in gym class. Do some sit-ups. Hey, Solberg, you're late. Where's your transcript, Solberg? I don't know what gym class would ask for your transcripts, actually. But... I don't know. Yeah, they usually don't. No. No, screw that. All right, but you're right. Okay. Steve Solberg's better. How Never was mind. your physical fitness test? <laughs> that's right. So we're going to go to break here. Sure. Patrick, where are you on Twitter, sir? My Twitter is Patrick in my head. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of funny tweet stuff on there. We have uh, Michelle Bodkins coming in from Rivals.com here at about 8.15. Jackson Banks, I think, is stopping by. Tune in at 9 o'clock for his show, and I think he's got Nicholas Smith coming in. So... Should be very funny. Anything else, Mr. Solberg? Uh, let's see. No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me, you and I had a 90s music discussion once. Can you give me one 90s band you're into? You, like, educated yeah. me all the 90s bands. Yeah, the 90s I bands that into. I like. Uh, you know what? Every once in a while, oh. I go back to that one song uh, by the Toadies. Is it Toadies? Oh, gosh. Well, 
just look up whatever song by the Toadies. <laughs> you know what else I like? This pave, you know what? Just pavement. screw the 90s. This is 1972 <laughs> screw the 90s. to 2012. Just You'll find something, kids. Just Google these ones. Google Toadies, Google Pavement, All right. and uh, Dinosaur Jr. Okay, there Those you go. Those were three bands Very I liked. hip bands. In the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, that, I thought that that would fly well. I mean, then there's the other ones like Pearl Jam and all that stuff. Which I also love, but growing up in Seattle, yeah, you went a little deeper cut. You yeah. had to like the hip beyond hip, you know. Yeah, being hip was unhip. Yeah, if you were like, I like Pearl Jam. I was like, oh yeah, great. You're <laughs> a drop in the ocean. <laughs> drop like... in the grunge bucket. Yeah, you had to like something different. <laughs> well, we'll be right back. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, congratulations on falling in love. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> School is back in session, and so is All You Radio with your hosts, Rebecca and Sasha. Catch us at our new slot this fall, every Tuesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. at KURadio.org. If you haven't, please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at All You Radio. Thank you so much, Steve Solberg, for coming in studio. Go see him in two weeks at Wise Guys West Valley. He's hysterically funny, even though he's too modest. He's right about his agency. He's a very modest guy. Yeah, he needs to knock that off. He's one of the funniest men in Salt Lake City. So, I have a question for you, Michelle. Okay. Last week, you corrected me on your last name. Uh-huh. You said that I said Bodkins. Uh-huh. You said it's Bodkins. Well, no, no S. Bodkin. Uh-huh. Is that what you were complaining? Because you you spelled B-O-D. Uh-huh. But you're telling me it's ah, like ba, right? Wait. I'm oh, you're asking if it's Bodkin or Bodkin. Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yes. It's with an O sound. Bodkin. Bod- Since when is an no, O sound, and A? It sound, you said it like an A, though. You said Bodkin. He's like, it's I like an O. Bodkin. But I would say an O is Bodkin. How do you pronounce it? Vodka. Okay. What is that? Irish. Ah. Vodka. Okay. But I'm mostly Italian. Go figure. (laughs) Well, thank you for clarifying because I was confused about it all week. I was like, (laughs) because I went to like your Facebook and your Twitter and I was like, it's B-O-D-K-I-N. And I said, Bodkin. But she's saying it's Bodkin. I'm dumb. You have to remember this. So, okay. <laughs> hell of a game last week, huh? How how uh, ten minutes can change people thinking from going ten and zero, having illusions of grandeur to it's time to fire the coach, bench the quarterback, and never see Dres Anderson again. I know, kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, in, in this fickle town called Salt Lake City, and they're. They're uh, bandwagon fans, I would say it's to be expected. Well, you know, I don't think it's just limited to Salt Lake, though. Someone posted a good tweet a couple weeks ago that I retweeted because it was that funny to me. Said that 
fans are the world's most confusing and fickle creature. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Fans, you you get black and white with fans. Uh-huh. You get everybody loves them. There's no middle ground. Everybody hates them. Uh huh. Exactly. There's no like no one's happy with uh, you know ten and six. And you know what? It was also really. Again, and you kind of pointed it out, it was really funny. Get home from Michigan or even after, you know, the clock strikes zero zero, standing there and you hear people talking about and going to my board and reading all the comments. It was, we got to sure up Kyle Whittingham. We got to make sure no one else takes him. <laughs> this, this seals the deal. And then this week it's, well, we should we should fire him yeah, and find someone from new. Greatest guy in the world. They're like, I'll, I'm going to get a posse together. Uh-huh. Let's go to his house. <laughs> to knock some sense in him. I played a little junior college football. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's, like, my question is, like, kind of a casual Utes fan. They seem to be good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it they're doing well? What, right now, what would you say the Utes sort of are doing well? Are they an offensive team? Or are they a defensive team? Uh, are they running? As of well? right now, yeah. I would say they're definitely a defensive team. To start the mm-hmm. season, it looked like it was going to be completely opposite, which was a little bit weird and confusing because in, like, the last 10 years that Kyle's been the head coach, it's always been they have been a defensive team. So to have the offense come out and look better than the defense to start, it was like, I am watching uh, the Utah game, right? It's a little surprising. Exactly. Uh, but it was kind of nice to see. Uh, the last two games, defense has really stepped up and turned things up. They're getting those interceptions that people have been dying for and getting the turnovers and then as far as the offensive side of the ball again to begin the season it looked like they were maybe going to be better at passing than running and now it's flipped again and Hmm. again it was a little bit surprising because you think of a Utah football team and again not necessarily an offensive powerhouse but you think about the run game and kind of that smash mouth, and they've always been kind of good at that end of it. But to see them come out and be a little more efficient passing than they were running, again, was huh, a little yeah, bit confusing. Yeah, that is surprising. But now it's switched back. It switched back. Oh, really? I uh, always, like, get scared of the quarterback. That guy is, like, eight feet tall, and it seems like I have bigger biceps than him. And as soon as he takes a snap, I get scared. He's I, not your prototypical build. No, he he's definitely unusual. I mean, he can take uh, the hits. He's he's done well. Oh yeah. But I just my brain is like, keep an eye on that guy. Keep an eye. Hopefully he doesn't snap in half. Hopefully he doesn't snap. No, yeah. I mean he he's a tough tough sob. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be perfectly <laughs> honest about that. Certainly talented, yeah. But I think mm-hmm. in our heads, if you watch a lot of sports, you expect this guy to look like this. You expect this guy to look like that. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while for your brain to wrap around the fact that this guy exactly. should be playing volleyball or something. Exactly. Uh, huh. He's not a Pac-12 quarterback. It, and that's that was clear last year. And it's becoming very clear this year. When you look at other Pac-12 quarterbacks – he's the odd one out and i think he's certainly he seems like a nice guy but mm-hmm. he, he i like where this is going he seems like a nice guy but but when guy owes me twenty dollars when you're doing a hurry up <laughs> offense and you're on a three-step drop you got to get the ball out in three steps you can't wait and hold it four seconds because your linemen are prepared to push for three steps and then evacuate out and help out whatever's going on he doesn't do he there's certain things he's not getting he he doesn't play fundamentally sound football as a quarterback 
And if you want to be a competitive Division One Pac-12 team, you, it's imperative your quarterback can follow directions, mm-hmm. knows how to read a playbook, and he doesn't do these things. That's why even after he almost broke his neck and spine last week, he was still diving head first and getting first point contacts on his shoulders. Right. Well, I, I, I think you bring up a that. good like point you see a lot in like college sports versus pro sports is mm-hmm. efficiency of your plays. In a lot of in college sports, you see a lot of forcing of passes. You see a lot right. of extending the plays. In a quarterback, especially like someone who's ran offense for a couple of years, the mindset isn't let's play another down. Mm-hmm. Let's extend the play. Let's get the most out of it. And then, like you said, with like diving head first, you got to think long term here. Right. You got to think my job is to read one, read two, or throw it away to it. There's no big need to extend a play a lot of times. I think that's like a, a college, you go to the pros, it's a little bit more set in stone. Well, one, think, two, three. I think some of it too is I, you have to look at the age range. And Definitely. again, being a psych major, you know, mm-hmm. we learned that guys are just slow. They are slow to understand. Hold on, can that you say that again? I didn't catch that last <laughs> yeah. part. Oh, yeah, okay. Thank you for proving my point. Has, have these, have these mics always been on? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for proving my point. No. Uh, I was it, joking, by the way. It, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> it's one of those things, I think, I, and again, I haven't been in school for three years now, so I'm a little bit rusty, but it's the cerebral cortex where you kind of make all the decisions and you know, kind of process information and is this a good idea, is this not right. such a good idea. And girls tend to develop by the time they're 21. Guys, it's not until they're 25. Oh, and you have a whole yeah. team full of 18 through 23-year-olds mostly. Utah, BYU, Utah State, a little bit unusual. They do have some older players because of the missionary, return missionary thing. But I mean, so you want to so. see some scholarships coming in, all female University of Utah football team? I think yeah, that would be awesome. I like this, uh, you know, a little bit of a feminist. I think <laughs> why not? Well, why I, not? I, well, I think you bring a good point with like the the cerebrocortex stuff and like learning stuff. But I think the biggest thing with football is as complicated as offenses is repetitions. Mm-hmm. You don't have near as many repetitions at the college level than you would five, ten years into a career. Right. So there's going to be some a slowing of the game mm-hmm. and in like as complicated as offense is, it's not going to be as sharp. Right. It's just not. You know, whether we're dumb, <laughs> whether we're dumb guys <laughs> or not, but we're going to need some reps. At the same extent, this is a kid that comes from a family that has a little bit of affluence. He's done the thousand, multi-thousand dollar quarterback camps during the summers. Right. He's been playing the position since he was six. He's been a starter since he was eight. That At some point, it clicks in or you move on. Right. I mean, there's a... L- so we got UCLA coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, this com- Or they're going to UCLA. Yes. Last uh-huh. year against UCLA, he threw six picks. Uh-huh. But at the same time, he was able... To keep them in the game, kind and of keep erase, his job. Yeah. you know, kind of wash away the mistake and go and make a play that kept them in it. And I think last year his ceiling looked incredibly high. This year, I think people are maybe starting to wonder and doubt him a little bit, and I can understand that. I mean, yes, he's so far eliminated those interceptions, but it also seems like he's gone so. Far in a way to prevent the interceptions, 
that he's not playing is tough and, you know, uh, just really kind of doing anything and everything he can to extend plays. That seems to be missing from his game this year. And, you know, I don't know if that's a matter of he's hit his ceiling. I don't know if he's playing scared right now. I don't know if the coach has said something that he's dwelling on too much. What I do think is pretty clear, though, is that there is a little bit of an issue there. Yeah. And I don't know if it's something that can be fixed and he'll be fine and good to go or if they maybe really seriously do need to consider moving on to the next Well, I think you bring up like a really good point is that in sports, the hardest position in sports, not football, in sports is playing quarterback. Or cornerback. Is You think corner? I would I, say quarter because you are the head. You're the team lives and dies. The offense lives and dies with you. And just the pressure alone there mm-hmm. is going to put a lot of people in a bad spot. And just the pressure, whether the kid has – the talent or not, which is always very talented. Mm-hmm. But you said, like, I don't know if something he can just get it or something the coach has said. It's so easy <laughs> to get in someone's head when there's a job to be done and right. there's pressure mm-hmm. to it. So, I, yeah, I think the job alone is pretty heavy lifting. Yeah, no. To it. It's, Why it's do you think cornerback is important or as important? I wouldn't say it's as important, yeah. but it's a very difficult job there Mm -hmm. it's kind of like quarterback there's a lot that you have to be aware of there's a lot of technique to it there's a lot of finesse to it I don't think that position makes or breaks a team quite the way that a quarterback would but I think they're both equally hard positions to learn yeah the funny thing about a cornerback you know you're you're short (laughs) usually (laughs) usually it's getting it's getting trendy though to have a six foot two six foot three Mm -hmm. a la sean sean smith was really kind of the first guy that kind of got the nfl going Ooh, we kind of we kind of like this you know you're doing a good (laughs) job as a cornerback where you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game and it's like no passes defended no tackles made because the offense never goes to your side. Mm-hmm. It's one of the weirdest things. It you know is. you're playing good when you're not involved in the game. Uh-huh. It's very Pretty strange. Much. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's very yeah, it's a weird position. Whereas the other ones you're like, you gotta get some grit, you gotta make some tackles. Mm-hmm. Corner. I never saw Deion Sanders make a tackle ever. <laughs> ever. Because no one would go near <laughs> him. No one will go near him. No one would throw the ball to him. It's a strange sort of weird thing, whereas the quarterback has got to be cerebral. He's got to be reacting. Mm-hmm. He's got to be playing two steps ahead. Quarterback is just like, let's not go near that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy's dangerous. Exactly. Do you have a big, just as me as a college football fan, or how excited are you like that it's a playoff season, the playoff system? I love that. Although I think they did it completely wrong. <laughs> the four-team system? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 164. I, I don't know if anybody... Playoffs should have started last week, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has read the book Death to the BCS. It's a good read. It is a really good read. It's got a good title. Oh, it's a fantastic <laughs> title. And it's just as snarky and cutthroat as the title indicates. But, I mean... They pretty much said that if they're going to do this, it needs to be at least an eight-team playoff system. Even better if it was a 16-team, but they kind of did the baby step sort of thing. Sure. The other thing that they highly recommended, and it's not happening, is that the old BCS system is not anywhere near near it or involved in it, Mm -hmm. and the playoff system revolves around the old BCS bowl games. And that's exactly because the idea is to get it away from 
basically these robber barons. I mean, that's really literally what these bull executives are. They're robber barons. Yeah. Um, and they're still involved in it, and their hands are still in the money, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, I think we have a pretty weird system in place, but now at least if we're at least at a playoff, at least we're on the right track here. Mm-hmm. I, I I would like some more teams. I always said I have not been into college football in the last 10 years because of the BCS. We Now we have a playoff. The best thing about sports is that it's an argument that ends. Mm-hmm. You know, you play, there's a black and white who won, who lost. That's the best thing about sports. The worst thing about sports is all of us chit-chatting and talking about it day in and day out. But now we get to settle it. Right. You know, so we had the worst thing in sports the last, you know, 30, 25 years because we never got to settle, settle any of these who's better at sports. Right. Thing. So I at least think it's on the right direction, but it's got to be more than four teams. Well, you know what? We have BYU to thank for that. Yeah. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I know Continue. you guys are very, very proud of your 1984 championship, and I would be too if we had that. Or if Utah had that, you know, or any basketball. That's when they're in the whack. But I, I mean, you know, these big conferences looked at that and kind of did a WTF sort of thing, and we're like, how do we keep these small schools out? Oh, mm-hmm. BCS. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it goes. It goes into say it because with a BCS, we totally eliminated the pen- potential of a team getting hot, of a number eight team getting hot. Right. The precedence in this and it's pretty obvious, is the NCAA tournament. We would never have an NC State beating wherever they beat, Houston, Mm -hmm. in 1980 or whatever. We would never have that Kansas team get super hot with Danny Manning and go on a crazy run. We have been robbed of that in in football. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy with it, but it needs to grow, and it'll get perfected in the next, who knows, five to ten years. I would would think so. I would hope so. And I really hope that, again – the old BCS just, I mean, literally dies. It. I don't mind keeping the old bowl games because I think those are awesome, but mm-hmm. I think the executives need to go. Yeah, I think the bowl, there's a place for the bowl games. Mm-hmm. And, like, how great if those bowl games are going to generate more revenue when they have some stakes right. when they're a playoff game. Mm-hmm. It's always a bummer when you're watching a bowl game on December 26th, you know, and they pan around to the crowd and it's, like, three-fourths full. Right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, right, it's December 26th. Exactly. Speaking of bowl games, what does the U Utes need to do to get themselves to a bowl? Because I kid you not, if we don't go to a bowl game, the U football team is going to look completely different. Everything is going to get dismantled mm-hmm. from the last 10 years. We're right. going to get all the coordinators gone on both sides. We're going to have a new head coach. Mm-hmm. We're going to probably lose our quarterbacks and have a brand new quarterbacks in. It's the whole thing's going to, the uniforms will change. The, the ego. <laughs> uniforms are gone. Cleats are out. Uh, I mean, yeah, everything will, cha- everything <laughs> will change. You, you watch. Don't be surprised. You know, there's a lot of defiance going on at that football team, in my opinion, you know, with the Ute fight song mm-hmm. and them singing after the games, we are men, when the U has strictly said we are not men, we are fans. There's a lot of defiance going on over there. We're going to do it my way. We're going to do it my way. But the way over there is shaky. And my suggestion would be let the Ute offense be Booker's offense. Give him 25, 30 carries a game. You know? I, I think that end of it probably is solved this week. Kyle did come out and say that Booker is now the starter. There's no Good. 1A, 1B. 
type thing, you know, and I totally get why they did that, and I totally get why Poole was the guy to start, and it's because Booker made some pretty bad mistakes in fall camp. So they were testing him the the first four games of the season, and he passed with flying colors. So I think he I think he's deserved that right to have that title now. Did um, Coach say anything about uh, his pass protection or even Bubba's pass protection? Because they seemed they seemed very poor, both of them together. But Bubba's got strength too. Like you can throw to him mm-hmm, he on can the act sides, like a receiver. And, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But from a north and south, run you over and then have. NFL type speed, Booker's your guy. Right. Are the Utes offense in turmoil though? I mean, after one game, you they've know, been bad all year. If you really look at really? it, I was gonna say, it's it's hard to say. It's really, I think, at this point, hard to say exactly how much turmoil they're in. Um, you know, I think I think some of it has been still kind of figuring out some of the pieces. I think they got a major one figured out after this last week i mean you know this kid ran for 178 yards i think mm-hmm. which is outstanding but the the next part i think is figuring out the quarterback getting situation. tonga involved i mean if you want to protect your quarterback use your tight end right that's what every nfl that's what every good team does if you have a quarterback that doesn't have the ability to throw you know 50 mile 50 yard you know pass they dump it to their, you know, their uh, tight ends, and they, they do crosses. They do a lot of stuff to make it easy. And, you know, they tried to use him like that on Saturday. I just barely watched the game mm-hmm. this afternoon, which was painful. They they did try and, like, cross him, but a big part of the problem was, and it was so, so evident, and, again, I don't know why this is. I don't know if there's a serious problem, if it was just an off game. I don't know what it is. But Travis would rocket the ball when he needed to just put a light touch on it when Tonga's crossing over the middle. Because he's worried about being picked or, you know, whatever. But on the flip side, when he would throw long half the time, the ball was short and the receiver would have to come back to the ball, which totally defeats the purpose of running the route in the first place. And for a guy like Drez Anderson who really wants to play in the NFL – they made him look so bad on a couple of those plays where everyone in the crowd was like, oh, my gosh, he dropped the ball. He's he's a bust. He All he does is drop the ball. And it's like, well, the ball really wasn't there. You know? Some of those, I would say, not so much his fault. The one he dropped for the game-winning touchdown where he was wide open and it went right yeah. through his hands. You brought it up. So now, a little unforgivable. That's yeah, that's rough. If you're a scout, because you know there's scouts at that game, and you know mm-hmm. GMs watch it. Did I, in my opinion, you say nope, not even going to put them on the board. I think they need to see a few more games this season, but I would definitely be concerned. Yeah. I would definitely be concerned because that was a big issue for him last year when the game was on the line and it counted most. And you know he's labeled as their big time playmaker receiver you know, that makes things happen and you drop the ball when it absolutely counts the most for your team, you have to question, are, it's a big you, demerit, are, for are, sure. you, are you mentally tough enough to handle being needed? Yeah. It's like you may take him because, I mean, he is fast, so maybe 
do returns. Everyone's maybe fast do, in that NFL. Maybe do some, you know, special yeah. team stuff, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, you start to evaluate the raw talent as opposed to the results but going from I mean, one to he, the other. But, I mean, if he is seriously serious about being, like, star NFL wide receiver, he needs to figure out a way to fight he through that He needs to be mentally. a star on his own team first. Exactly. Yeah, and I think it's a good kind of, like, what says about the athlete is how you come back from a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's big. This is sort of one of those little things that coaches or, or someone like that, you really can't evaluate. There's no X's and O's for mm-hmm. how you bounce back from a loss or how you bounce back from a job pass. So, I mean, I, I think maybe hopefully he takes it as an opportunity. I, well, and what better opportunity than to go against your dad's old alma mater and go back home <laughs> and be, you know, have a lot of your family and friends there watching you. I would be, if I ever did anything, I would never want my friends and family in the audience. It's like when you see like NFL players and they're like, I got 17 tickets for my family. I would never want that. <laughs> I was like, this is just, I, I have too much pressure right now. I was going to say, in regular I crappy jobs I wouldn't have. want anyone to know that that many people were showing up for me just because if yeah. I looked bad, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't want anybody going, so is that because you had all these people there specifically right. watching you? Yeah. It, it's, yeah, if I had a bunch of my family come to say a comedy show i guarantee you 40 percent of them will walk up like i never liked that kid <laughs> never liked that kid anyway but no i think you bring up a great point about you know you learn a lot about a player by how they bounce back from a bad performance or a bad situation it's a good test yeah you know and let's go back to the michigan game when kendall thompson was in and we weren't sure if wilson was going to come back into the game through that pick six i mean how that's like probably got to be the worst feeling in the world if you were a quarterback, and especially the backup guy that wants the starting job, and you know he pick wants six it. is bad because you go right back on the field. And they that's kick exactly off and you're it. Right back to the he offense. went back. He was back on the field yeah. immediately. No time to kind of sit there and analyze or dwell or you know he had to shake that off right then and there mm-hmm. as soon as it happened. And you know what? He did it. He did it. He drove that offense down for the first time. And should have had a touchdown with Poole. That was a perfect ball, and he dropped it. <laughs> but he ended up putting points on the board. And a part right. of me, sitting there in the rain watching that game, wanted to see what Thompson would do coming back after the half, after seeing him drive the team down the field. But then on the other hand, it was really nice seeing Wilson come back and drive the team down the field. So it was a little bit of a... You know, I would have liked to have seen what Thompson maybe could have done, and definitely against Washington State because Travis was looking a little sketch there for a minute. So let's get on the positive notes of the Utes. Okay. Special teams, phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. I don't think there is a better special teams unit in the country. I really don't. I mean, they are just clicking on all cylinders. And they hit hard, too, like stunningly hard. Uh, yeah, did you see Andy Phillips lay out the return <laughs> guy before the half ended? That oh, was so stud. my gosh. Did you see? That was, Andy Phillips it, is the kicker. Uh-huh. And he... <laughs> the kicker got a hit? 
Oh, oh he it, he suplexed a grown man. Oh, <laughs> wow. He did a and it, it wasn't just like, oh, I happen to be here. Yeah. I'm going to hit you. It was, I'm going to hunt you down. Yeah. You know who I'm most worried about if I was on the college is the kicker. Because the college kicker is like, uh, I've got a time frame. I'm going to, I'm out of this college in three years. Yeah. I don't care. But, Pro kickers, you know, they want to extend their, their career. College kicker, those guys are the wild, wildest people. He's got the hottest girlfriend or wife. Like, she's gorgeous uh-huh. he's got a new kid he, he's a good guy and say, he's living the good but life he right changed like he changed Gosh my per- perception of him because he literally made that washington state kid look like a rag football <laughs> player you lose two times when you get hit by the kicker uh, the hit oh. and then going to your own sideline with all your all the guys giving you a hard time because washington won i imagine when they go into film sessions them cracking on him but had they lost like they should have, I bet no one would have ever talked to that guy the rest of the season. Like Very he took possible. he took a beating by a kicker. That's rough. There's got to be a YouTube compilation of kickers hits. That would be great, you know. Kicker, I, I think Andy's might be number one. Yeah, His might be, be number there. one. Because the kicker is is like the construction worker that never gets any credit, you know. And he needs a little, you know. Every once in a while, you forget his worth. So there needs to be a compilation of all the good kicker hits. I don't think anybody's forgetting out. his worth. That, that kid is gold. Gold. Ah, well, I hope he gets another hit. Oh, <laughs> I think that would be amazing. <laughs> the defense looked very good a lot of the time. Yeah, there were a couple of times where guys were out of place, mm-hmm. but I think it had more to do with them being on the field so much so. and the offense not giving them time to rest. But I think that that's a common occurrence when you totally rechange an offense and you're four games in and two of the game. One thing that we haven't talked at all about mm-hmm. is the Utes have been playing in bad weather for two straight games. Right. Not just rain and drizzle, but brutal, uncomfortable weather, which creates throwing problems, catching mm-hmm. problems. Balancing issues when you're backpedaling or trying to go making cuts. Horizontal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, maybe weather. Maybe yeah. weather help them out next. Yeah. So when they go to Pasadena, they can play in a drought-ridden state in 75-degree right. weather. It's gluten-free o'clock. Gatorade on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> Very LA. Very yeah. LA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Validate parking on the way out. <laughs> so give me your. Uh, I know we haven't done talked about this off there, but give me who played best last week. Who, what parts? And I don't want to do players specifically about who needs to improve, but what parts of the team needs to improve so that they can be competitive and possibly win against UCLA? Because I think they have the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything from UCLA that says they're USC from two thousand one. No. Right. I haven't seen anything that says they're Alabama from 2011 so they're beatable i think they are very beatable Mm -hmm. to be honest i know a lot of people are doing the oh well look at what they did to arizona state and it's one of those things i want to tell people stop for a minute remember their first two games their first two games they could not get their offense going to save their lives let's be honest and they supposedly have a heisman candidate quarterback i mean Brett Hundley's amazing, but he hasn't necessarily looked amazing. Their offensive line's a little bit suspect. 
And I think the biggest reason why they got going the way they did on Arizona State is that Arizona State honestly doesn't have much of a defense. And the quarterback was hurt, too. Their offense wasn't getting the kind of pressure that he had been seeing in the first couple of games. So, I mean, that makes it really easy. I think Utah's defense is a thousand times better than what they saw against Arizona State. So I think already right that right there is a possible indication that Utah can pull that off. Now, on the flip side, I feel like UCLA's defense has been a little bit inconsistent. Sometimes they've been really, really good, and other times they've been very susceptible to mistakes. Didn't they lose a lot of men to the draft last year and a lot of seniors also? I believe so. They're, really, they're a young team. They still they, they still have uh, Miles Jack. Yes. Uh, who's phenomenal and has actually played on both sides of the ball for them, I believe, this year. I yeah, think he's played Iron a little Man. running back. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. They have a new cornerback whose name escapes me at the moment. But, I mean, he was putting up some amazing numbers against Arizona State last week. So, I mean, there's definitely talent there. I don't know if it's all come together yet for them. And Utah's offense can get their ish together and, you know, not drop catchable balls, not throw uncatchable balls, you know, get their run game going, get more people involved than they did against Washington State. Again, I think they can win that challenge. As for special teams, Utah wins that one hands down. Yes. They just they they already win that one. Offensive line look good to you? Defensive line look good to you? Uh I thought the defensive line looked really good for like three maybe three and a half quarters and then I don't know if they got tired or if they started backing off, but they definitely the field got really bad too. They in definitely the fourth stopped going after Halliday the mm-hmm. way that they had been. And that was a big part of the reason why he was dropping dimes to a river carcraft. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that He just had so much time to find him. And as a result, they kind of got burned up. Offensive line, sometimes they were good. Sometimes they weren't so good. Uh, they struggled more with pass protection than they did run run protection but, but they did better than Oregon Oregon gave up seven sacks the week before against Washington exactly. State Washington okay. State very well coached mm-hmm. very disciplined and they big have guys. a crazy coach yeah oh, I, I love them mad hatter I mean literally <laughs> mad hatter and <laughs> it works for them so. <laughs> uh the safety we had a safety I forget his name unfortunately uh didn't play last week Kevin Carter it how's his knee have they said anything Yesterday at the press conference, Witt kind of hesitated, which made me feel like he may not play. But then today he was asked about it again, and no hesitation said, I'm going to put it out there that Tevin's back for UCLA. So I don't know if they're trying to send mixed messages. I I liked the confidence, so fingers crossed Tevin's back because while I think Marcus – Williams has a ton of potential, and I think overall, considering the situation he was put in, he played reasonably well. There's just no replacing Carter at this point in time. There just isn't. Does Coach still have his smile? Does he still have optimism? You know what? He didn't seem all that smiley happy. (laughs) (laughs) The the press conference would be a good tell. I've never seen a, a, a press conference where the coach was happy to be there. 
Right. You know, he cracked a few jokes at the press conference yesterday. It seemed like he was maybe still a little bit about business as far as Washington State. Um, a little bit disappointed still about that. Today, I felt like was completely different. I felt like the guys were laughing and joking and having a good time. So it seems like they really literally have put that aside and, you know, are just focusing their attention on preparing for UCLA. It didn't, you know, I didn't see anybody dragging their feet or acting like, oh my gosh, I just don't want to be here. Like last week sucked so bad. Yeah. I just don't want to do this anymore. You ever been to a press conference where you asked the coach about what's up with the cornerback this week? He's like, I don't know what's up with that guy. (laughs) You're never going to hear an honest answer. You're going to be like, "Eh, it looks pretty good. We're going to reevaluate. You never hear like, that guy's on a bus on his way home. <laughs> it's right. always, I would imagine it's very hard to get a gauge of the coach and the players at a press conference because they're already on the defensive, it seems. I would say especially someone like Coach Witt because Witt never gets overly high and he never gets <laughs> overly low. Like he really has just this level kind of – attitude. So it's, it's really, what seven million dollars in the bank does uh, for you. Well, you know, I mean <laughs> You know, some You'd be surprised of, some, what I would do for seventy-five dollars. <laughs> I was gonna say some of some of these other Pac-12 coaches, I think, wear their emotions on their sleeve a little bit more than Wit does. So Wit's definitely a hard guy to read necessarily what it is he's feeling or thinking at press conferences. Some of the players, Andy Phillips was there yesterday. I thought he looked incredibly confident. He looked like you know he'd put that game behind him Travis is kind of another weird person to try and read because he's uncomfortable giving interviews he's not really young kids we always forget the young people there we've got mics in front of them it's hard to get an honest answer he's just he's not he's not and I don't think he probably ever will be someone that's overly comfortable talking to a lot of people Um, put that on his resume for jobs (laughs) never gonna be comfortable in front of people and you know that's okay. There's just there there are people out there it's like that. It's a hard that. spot. Yeah. There are, there definitely are people like that. So I mean to know whether he's maybe a little bit uncomfortable answering questions because, you know, he's still feeling bad about what happened, yeah. or whether it's just that he it's just his usual state. A little bit hard to the uh, the press conference. How does that work as far as which questions get asked to the players? Are did, did you go in with certain questions you wanted answered that were able to get to them? Those I usually just go and observe more mm-hmm. than I ask questions. I let the newspaper guys and you know the news guys get their questions in because they have deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have deadlines. I'm just there more to get a fill, and I don't usually go to them because I feel like they're predictable most times. I felt like this was an important one to go to just to gauge where the team was maybe at mentally because I think that's really important. Yeah. Did you have a question? If you were to ask a question, did you have one that you you wanted to ask? Mm, This week, no. No, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question to ask in wrapping this conversation up. Okay. Predictions for next week, Michelle, then you, Patrick. I think Utah comes out swinging. I am not so sure they pull this one out. Score. Score 34-24. Okay, Pat. My prediction for next week, I uh, pay my rent. Oh, I'm definitely going to do that next week. <laughs> There's a high probability of that. And that I sleep in past 11. Okay. On a Tuesday. Nice. All right, I got a 34-14, 34-17 UCLA. 
and I could even see it being lower than that. So, but you know, part of me says 28, 27, toss them, you know, but I really, I think the, I think it starts getting really tough here for the Utes. So it gets tough, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think this week is going to be a huge indicator as to how the season goes. Like I said, if they come out swinging and they give UCLA the fight of their life, whether they win that game or not, if they can do that, I think they have a chance the rest of the season. If they come out and they let Washington State beat them twice, uh, you know, things could get really dicey really quick. Where are you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff so that people can interact with you because you're fantastic at that? <gasps> And where can they read your writings? Right. So all my writing goes up on utezone.com. It is a paid membership site, but I guarantee you it's completely worth it. It's better Uh, than algebra, people. (laughs) Mostly because you get to talk to my witty self and some of my uh, witty partners as well. As far as following me on social media, I'm on Facebook. You can look me up, Michelle Bodkin, uh, and I'll pop right up. I'm also on Twitter, and that's probably the one I'm most active on. And it's at mbodkinrivals. And then I'm also on Instagram, which I've only used once. So that may not be such a great follow. But if you follow me, maybe I'll be more <laughs> inclined to do something go. with it. Motivate so, you. And it's the same as my Twitter handle. P. Rammer, where are you at? My Twitter is at Patrick in my head. And uh, you can punch in my name on uh, Facebook. Those are the two things you can find me at. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll be back next week. We thank you for listening to OU Radio. Jackson Banks in studio with the very funny Nicholas oh, Smith coming in here soon. <laughs> you want me to turn that on? He's coming in with a Jansport backpack. I'm a little nervous. Go ahead, tough guy. I've got something for you. Yes, sir. Stay tuned if you want your minds blown. Cut the mic. <laughs> what a waste of time that was. <laughs> thank you so much, Michelle. We really appreciate you. No problem. afraid to have someone believe in you? Can you commit to your ideals? Even if you think nothing of it, are you willing to allow others to think the world of it and of you? Pedagogue of young gods. All slavery ever does is free you. All anyone ever does is an example. All power is this collective energy. To abuse the privilege is to sell your soul and that is to rent with the illusion of owning. We are the landlords. If you misunderstand us, you're dead and deserve your demise. Your dominion is your overthrow. The controllers are controlled. Spread the word, it will save you and depends on you to be understood. There is no school bell, only nursery. Our heroes reward us with stars, ever still, ever moving. We sing to ourselves in our cars. Music is our sanctuary. Anywhere you put it, it's ours. Our living voice, our living testament. We dream aloud, we scream and shout. Our courage will defeat them. Our struggle will unite us. Our wisdom is ourselves, our resources, our own. Our blood, ocean, our skin, oil. We are mountain and waterfall. They cannot contain us. Their prisons will not restrain us. Their customs will not unname us. We are what they know in their hearts. You guessed it, you knew that, you felt it, you tried to doubt it, denied it, but you knew it. Ain't nobody had to tell you.